0: Living, welcome back to the podcast. We are back at it. Another quarantine episode. Week four. Quarantine. God, I am going mentally insane. It's a tough situation, but we are gonna get through it here on the podcast. Tell we turn the frowns upside down. I'll tell you another thing that turns the frowns upside down, and it is. Our first ever random Gmail interaction. Now, real talk, real talk. Let me get serious for a second. When Pat and I first started the podcast, literally we had the non-loftiest expectations in the entire world. Our bar was low to quite low. And by that, I mean it was in the basement in terms of success. We essentially were like, we just want to do a podcast because it gives us an excuse to hang out every single week, watch a movie, get drunk with our friends. We don't have kids yet, so fuck it. And that's why we did it. We always joked around about, like, oh, what is success? Like, Brian, what is success? How do you define success? And the only answer that we could ever come up with was just some random person, just like one random person in like Nebraska or Idaho or somewhere completely different than where we live here in the Midwest. If one random person just can send us an email, just like, Hey, I heard your show. I was just flipping around on Spotify, somehow stumbled into a teen podcast listened to it, loved it. That was literally all we were looking for, and we finally got it. I'm be honest, like when I saw this email, my heart was beating so fast, <laughs> but it was just the most amazing thing. you know you know who probably feels like this is like you know Brad Pitt, fucking George Clooney, you know when when they reach the levels of superstar fame, like, you know, we have on this very podcast, there's probably that first, like, check yourself moment of like, wow, we did it. Like George Clooney seeing himself on like the first movie poster that he's in or like seeing himself on the credits for the first time. That was me when I saw this email. So let me just read it. It is from lindell and she hails from brisbane australia no big deal so not only did we get our first genuine fan email but this person's global they're fucking global meaning this podcast has gone global (laughs) so let me read this i'm gonna read the entire thing i'm so fucking excited i'm reading the entire thing she took a lot of time and we appreciate it wholeheartedly She took a lot of time to reach out to us, and I'm gonna read it right now. Hi, Brian and Pat. Just a quick email from one of your lady listeners. I have recently been listening to your episodes on Friday Night Lights. I've really loved your commentary and thoughts. It's been great! Exclamation point. I know you've been worried about upsetting the lady listeners. If you're open to feedback, I'd simply offer that you've probably missed the mark a couple of times on gender issues, but overall, I think you've tried to be honest and respectful. The fact that you've wanted to check in with the ladies from time to time shows me that you're mindful of the fact that you are men and may not be on point. And I feel like that means a lot. I decided that during 2020 I would catch up on an iconic TV series that I'd never seen before. I've just finished the first season, and I'm sad to say that unless you cover any of the other season really soon, I probably won't listen to your podcast anymore. <laughs> uh, teen drama isn't really my thing, as after all, I'm a middle-aged lady. I have subscribed to Vicarious Living, though, in case something pops up that piques my interest because I've really enjoyed your banter and your style. So anyway, that being said, I really just wanted to thank you for your podcast And what the hell? Some parting words for you. Kids, don't do less. Keep doing what you do. Smiley face. Lindell, Brisbane, Australia. Fucking amazing. Lindell, you are a friend of the pod forever. We love you. I don't know if you're still listening because this is going to be a podcast on Lars and the Real Girls. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to hear... Me read this email, but just know Lindell, if you are listening, that email really meant a lot. It really did. It's like the greatest thing I've ever received in my life, is just that little piece of validation. Our first global listener. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, anyways, kids, be like Lindell, be like our number one lady listener, and reach out to us. There's two ways you can do it. One Gmail, vicariousliving pod at gmail.com. And then the second way would be on Instagram, Vicarious Living Podcast on the gram. You can also go there, slide into our DMs for all of our swag. We got lots of options. $30 baseball tees, $20 tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. This tanks are going to come real in handy come summer months 2020. Okay. Tonight on the pod, we are doing another movie. The last movie breakdown before we jump back onto the small screen with Gossip Girl. Tonight, we're going to do one more big screen movie. We're going indie. We loved Adventureland so much and digging into that indie realm that we're just going way deep, diamond in the rough, amazing Lars and the Real Girl. Special guest is coming on tonight. It is our first guest from down south. We've pulsed the east coast. We've pulsed the west coast. And tonight, it's time to pulse the south coast. South coast of the United States. Texas. Austin, Texas, to be specific. We're bringing a lady listener back on KCB. Hopefully, we'll get her husband on, too. Let's give her a shout. Here we go. Just hit the east side of the LBC. Mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a couple
1: of girls, ain't no need to tweak all you search. know what's up with 213? So I hooked select on two one and Lewis. Some brothers shooting dice. So I said, Let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said, What's up? Some brothers some meat. So I said, I'm stuck. Peeping- hey. <laughs> How are you?
0: Oh my god, I love the headphones. You're like fucking ready to do this shit. That's for were
1: we were limited on options. Yeah. I have most of my notes on my phone.
0: Oh, yeah. Pull them up. I First and foremost, why did you list this movie? Because usually I'll go to people and say, here's a list of 500 movies that I've compiled of potential movies we could do on the pod. This one was one of the, like the two you picked. Why?
1: So my husband, Eric, loves this movie. I had never seen it. Never even heard of it. And one night he's like, we got to watch this movie. It makes me cry every time I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric doesn't cry very often. So I'm like, this must be good.
0: I've never seen wedding. him cry.
1: At our wedding.
0: Oh, we did? <laughs> yeah, we should say for the kid listeners uh, who don't know, Eric and I go back, all the way back to the beginning of college, 2006, seven. Mm-hmm. That's 2006. where we met. And now you are married to said Eric. I got to say, though, when you said this movie, I was like, oh, my God. I didn't know anyone else who knew this movie existed.
1: Well, that's why I got excited about it on the list. Yeah. Because
0: Diamond in I the thought, that oh, this
1: seems random. Like, you've got all these, like, how many people know about this freaking movie?
0: So, no one, to answer your question. And I was thinking, like, you know, on this pod, I kind of go with a policy of like one for them, one for me. So like one for them would be like, I did never been kissed last week. So good. I never saw it when I was younger. So I had no mm. attachment to it from like, Hey, I saw this coming, when I was coming in
1: older. I don't
0: know. No, bad, <laughs> bad <laughs> like coming in older. But anyway, so that's where it's like, that's one for the kids. Now, now it's like time one for me one for me just being selfish and that's why i was like "Lars and the real girl makes sense this is one for me um okay i have some fun facts hit me actually the director is interesting directed by craig gillespie he also directed i tanya ever heard of it
1: no but is that a weird one that maybe eric's watching cried too
0: you've never i tanya is that movie about tanya harding the ice skater who margot oh. robbie played
1: I didn't know that was a, that's what it was called. Yeah. But but no, I've not seen it.
0: Oh, you need to see that. That movie's unreal. All
1: right. Jot it down.
0: Jot it down. He did that. And then um, he is actually <laughs> directing an upcoming Emma Stone movie on Carella DeVille.
1: Um, I love Emma Stone.
0: Yeah. I'm and pretty... Corella
1: DeVille. Because with the two and a half year old daughter, we've watched 101 Dalmatians, the cartoon and real version. 500
0: times: Oh, there you go. So like last night.: If they make this rated R, though, will you let young ML go to it? Fuck it. I mean,
1: we like to think we're cool parents.
0: Yeah, yeah, you guys are cool parents. Writer Nancy Oliver, only thing I wrote down, had a cup of coffee with a little show called "True Blood." That's all I wrote: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever watch True Blood? Yeah, well, uh,
1: yeah, maybe like one season. I never really fully got into it, but I'd be down to retry.
0: Uh, my issue with True Blood is I just fucking hate Anna Paquin with a passion. It's her face.
1: It's,
0: it's her face. face. You can yeah, say, I can say, teeth, it, yeah. Her teeth are brutal.
1: It's it's just a lot to look at episode yeah. after episode.
0: I'm glad you said it, not me, but yeah.
1: I think if anyone's going to say it, it's going to be one of us.
0: Right. Um. Okay, I have a plot of this movie. Let me read it. Let me read it. So, Because honestly, there's probably.
1: This is the Diamond in the Rough. Most people probably haven't watched it.
0: Yes, a lot of people probably have not seen it. And so I'm going to read a plot. Plot reads, Lars Lindstrom is an awkwardly shy young man in a small northern town who finally brings home the girl of his dreams to his brother and sister-in-law's home. The only problem is that she's not real. She's a sex doll. (laughs) That Lars ordered off the internet. But sex is not what Lars has in mind, but rather a deep, meaningful relationship. His sister-in-law is worried for him. His brother thinks he's nuts. But eventually the entire town goes along with his delusion in support of this sweet-natured boy that they've always loved. Lars and the real girl.
1: And... For those of us who have seen it, I was interested to learn that he was only 27. It's kind of hard to gauge his age because A, it's Ryan Gosling, for those who don't know. But he's got that mustache and he just dresses so old and he just looks like he kind of smells musty.
0: Oh yeah, like mothballs.
1: Mothballs, but only 27.
0: Wild. You're spot on. He could be anywhere from 27 to 48. And it's weird that he's on the lowest end of that age range because 27 seems young. Yeah, well, I yeah. Don't know. Um, three fun facts on this movie: one, the doll went method. To help Ryan Gosling stay in character, the real doll was treated like an actual person on set, as is done by the characters in movie. She was dressed privately in her own trailer and was only present for scenes that she was in
1: hmm curious about the undercarriage situation if that was real
0: oh actually that is ironically my second fun fact to (laughs) eliminate the possibility of any accusation about having sex with the doll bianca the doll's name was custom ordered without any genitalia
1: that answers a lot of questions
0: and then the third fun fact is that the doll had nine different faces did you notice that like, at the beginning, she was all done up in, like, makeup to, like, very make her
1: hooker-ish. look.
0: Very hooker Very hooker-esque. Yeah. And by the end, it was, like, very subtle. Like, sometimes not even really much makeup at all.
1: Well, they do show in the scene, Karen, the sister-in-law, is wiping it off.
0: Yeah, She's taking a yeah. tissue
1: and wiping it off to make her look a little bit more presentable. Yeah. And less sex doll-ish.
0: Yes, yes. Okay. Should we guess some Rotten Tomatoes? Sure. What is your guess? I'm going to look it up. Um, I am going to be all over the place with mine. So what do you think it is? I have not seen it. Percentage. Percentage. So Rotten Tomatoes, are you familiar mm. with how they score?
1: Um, A little bit.
0: Just essentially rate it where you think it is on a percentage of zero to 100. Where do you think the critics? critics? I'm going to give it a... 84. Yeah, that sounds probably where it is, I'm going to say I'm going to say 76 Ooh. and I'm going to hope you're closer in the 80s. So actually audience score, you're spot on, 84 with the people. So you're really okay. pulsing the kids. 81% overall score. Certified fresh on rotten tomatoes. I love seeing that. I love seeing I'm it.
1: Friends. I'm kind of surprised that it's not a little higher, though. Like, less pleasing with the audience and more pleasing with the critics.
0: I totally agree. Because this movie was essentially made for Sundance Film Festival and critics.
1: It's just a little odd. And the ending is kind of like not enough for a lot of people.
0: It wouldn't be an indie movie if they didn't do like an open-ended ending, though. I feel like that's so standard for indie movies.
1: And I guess there is some closure, but.
0: I like about indie movies is like with the ending, it's like there's closure here if you want it, but there's no closure if you don't want it. Like you make the decision and I, in my head, I always go, I'm deciding there was closure and it all ended up good. That's what I'm deciding happened.
1: Well, that's that's what I think too. But I just, you know, I have so many questions,
0: so many questions
1: about him and, and the chick at the end.
0: We should, okay, so let's table that because at the end we can discuss like Lars and the Real Girl 2, where we think this movie goes with a potential sequel 13 years later. Um, But before that, let's get into a player breakdown. Here it is. Ryan Gosling. Essentially the only guy we need to do on this character breakdown in this movie.
1: This is also one of the only roles, though, that he's not a dreamboat.
0: Yeah, my first question was, is he sexually attractive? Because I feel like he is, but I don't know. You tell me, lady listener.
1: Overall, as a person, of course, in this particular movie, they do such a good job of bringing him back down to earth his posture his clothes his little like blinking tick yeah although i don't know if in person maybe like there's a little bit of charm i don't i don't think so i'm gonna go with no
0: take lars out of it gosling think about just gosling in general like how who how does he compare to like a ryan reynolds How does he compare to like a a Hemsworth? Okay, Ryan
1: Reynolds for me is.
0: That's my shoe brother. Just so you know. We're related by shoe. What does that mean? Uh, I've told the story in the pod before, but I'll tell you because it makes me sound about as cool as it is. I possibly can sound. Had a cup of coffee with an internship in Los Angeles, 2009. No big deal. PR company (laughs) that I interned for happened to represent Ryan Reynolds. The PR company is always giving these celebrities free shit, gave them like a whole bunch of stuff. He tried on these shoes, these PF flyers that were in the package, said he didn't want them, sent them back. They were just sitting on the floor at the PR company. They said, hey, Ryan Reynolds didn't want these shoes. Do you want them?
1: Stop it.
0: Yeah. My first response was, I can't tell. Is that a rhetorical question by you or a real question? Yeah, I'll take the fucking PF flyers that Ryan Reynolds had on the seat. So forever, I'm a shoe brother. It's pretty cool.
1: Wait, my first question, though, is what did you do with the shoes? Did you, like, smell them? Did you touch them? Just look at them. Did you, I like, smell them?
0: them? <laughs> first, I stuck my dick in them. That then after actually- I was done sticking yeah. my dick in the shoes. Then you then, smelled them. Then I smelled them, <laughs> and then I wore them on my feet once, and they've been in my closet ever since. For the last 11 years.
1: I'd like to picture those later.
0: Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll show. There's somewhere in here. I never get rid of my shoes. I have a million. Well, I,
1: hopefully they're in like a nice box.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like in the airtight Like It's, yeah. Anyways, so Gosling. Okay, so
1: Ryan Reynolds is top for me. But okay. Gosling in a normal, you know, notebook type scenario. Definitely cute.
0: Or Crazy Stupid Love. He's like hot in that, right? We've crossed over yeah, there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what else? There's another one. What is it? In the woods or in the trees or the one with Eva Mendez.
0: Oh, Beyond the Pines. Yes. Perfect segue though. He's married to Eva Mendez in real life. Has two Which kids. Which I think
1: makes him hotter.
0: Oh, Eva Mendez is for me. You know, I've, I've compiled a list of my Mount Rushmore of like hottest, most attractive females on this podcast. Jessica Alba is on there. Honestly, I've put like 13 different teen characters from TV shows on there, (laughs) even though I only have four spots. But last week I put Jessica Alba on there this week. I, if I'm not looking at teen like TV and I'm just saying like in general, hottest females on my Mount Rushmore hot, like not. Not girl next door, not cute, not who I want to marry, just hot. Ava Mendez and Jessica Alba both have to be in the top four, Mount Rushmore. Well,
1: and they're aging so well. You cannot tell a difference of them from now, 15 years ago. Whatever they're using, I want.
0: Now, the only thing I will say about Ava Mendez, you've probably clocked this um, as a lady, same as me. She's gone nude a couple of times, very big nipples. I haven't seen. Yeah. Very big, but I'm not into that. That's not your jam.
1: No, and now I'm now I'm questioning Ryan Gosling's taste.
0: And nipples. <laughs> <laughs> um, other things about Gosling. This is this is perfect. Coming off hot nipple talk, uh, Mickey Mouse Club. He was in the Mickey Mouse Club, 1989.
1: I always forget that, and then when I remember it, it makes me love him more.
0: Hottest... Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Britney Spears, he,
1: Christina Aguilera.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. I think it said he roomed with JT for I think so too. a point in time. My hottest fun fact, though, is you remember that show Hercules with Kevin Sorbo, like way back in the day? Yes. Apparently, Ryan Gosling played young Kevin Sorbo and had his own spinoff show called Young Hercules for fifty episodes on the CW or whatever.
1: Never heard of young Hercules and didn't know about that.
0: Yeah. Look it up. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I, honestly, we're going to spend all of our character. I only have one fun fact on any of these other characters. So I'm just going to go deep into Gosling came onto the scene in 2000 with remember the Titans smallest fuck role in that movie reached a list in 2004 with the notebook. Want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? And mm-hmm. then he had a weird stretch where he reached this like A-list awesome fame with The Notebook, but then he like the next 7 years just like went indie and didn't really keep going on the trajectory. He took like a 7 year I'm just going to do indie movies like this, Half Nelson, um that movie you were talking about Beyond the Pines. Like he just did a bunch of stuff like that and then he reached like superstardom when Crazy Stupid Love? Big Short? He did a bunch of big movies.
1: Probably Crazy Stupid Love is what you think he did, though.
0: I think that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Because he he became like the huge hot superstar in that movie. So what are your thoughts on Notebook about him and that? Is that like one of those movies like I think for most girls that's like Apex?
1: That was everything. And I love Rachel McAdams. And the fact that they ended up dating in real life made yeah. it all better.
0: I've heard conflicting things. I've seen some, some stuff that talks about how they dated on and off for a couple of years, and then some stuff that said how much they hated each other on the set.
1: But they, sometimes love, love starts like that, you know? Yeah. Maybe they started dating after.
0: Or maybe they were just dating, because I'm pretty sure if anyone would see my relationship with my wife, they would just assume we hate each other.
1: <laughs> so. Or maybe they're just having really passionate hate sex oh yeah you can hate someone and still have sexual chemistry Mm -hmm. but i do think that was his peak crazy stupid love was not it for me the notebook was it for him
0: so that's good segue because i was going to ask what your favorite movie was so i think mine i think it's lars and the real girl and half nelson i
1: haven't seen half nelson
0: it's the same thing as this. It's super depressing, except he's a he's a teacher in like a public school, and he develops this like friendship with one of his female students, but it's it's not like a weird, creepy cross the line thing. It's like he's going genuine. he's he's like addicted to heroin, he's a drug addict, he's like falling off a cliff, and she's become like helps him get through it and is like an, a platonic real friend. So it's right, just like a, it like Lars and the Real Girl where you go into it and you're like, this guy's fucking a sex doll. Like, how's that <laughs> going to be anything but weird as shit? But then like the way that they film it and edit it, you're like, shit, I want him to get married to this doll.
1: By the end, you're crying because Bianca.
0: Yeah. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for the kids um yeah so i think i would go indie but i will say crazy stupid love i love that movie it's so good i love it
1: i don't not love it i just think for me ryan gosling in the notebook that's like just prime time that's yeah. when most most girls just fall in love with them you know
0: i like his beard in that movie He grows a pretty mm-hmm. good beard
1: he's just like slaving away on the house god
0: yeah writing he's...
1: love letters
0: It's so crazy because he's like an acts of service guy and a fucking words of affirmation guy.
1: And physical touch.
0: Yeah, that guy doesn't exist. That's why I like him so much. (laughs) That dude who speaks like all five love languages does not exist in life.
1: (laughs) I actually feel like Ryan Reynolds is like his character in The Notebook. I think he is Noah in my mind.
0: So, did you just do a Freudian slip because you said Ryan <laughs> Reynolds?
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, Gosling, you know who I meant.
0: Only, honestly, the only other thing I want to say about other characters in this movie is Paul Scheider. I think mm-hmm. he's uh, his brother in this movie. Yes. Did you watch Parks and Rec?
1: I have seen it, and I recognized him, <clears throat> but I couldn't pick out the whole time what he was from.
0: Yeah. He's from the first two seasons of parks and rec before it blew up into like one of the most successful TV comedies, like with the office of all time, he was like there at the beginning. And I was always like confused. Like, why did he leave? Why did he leave the show after two seasons? It it was on for like 10 years and everyone became so famous from that. And I guess he, he just like had all these uh, creative differences with the, creators and writers of that show and they were just like fuck it dude see ya like later and they never even like brought him back for like a guest spot or anything
1: is he on other was he on other stuff because he just looked really familiar to me and I I, feel like it's not just that
0: I'm sure he was but I didn't notice anything like substantial I did really like
1: his character though starts out just like such a typical guy you know he's kind of shut off to the emotional part of it and then by the end he's a main support system for lars and he's really sweet
0: yeah i yeah we'll get into it but i did like his reactions early like when he's first finding out his face always was just hilarious okay no more characters for me let's just get into the movie let's transition into the movie with a song This is one of my favorite songs of all time. They played it in this movie at the party, actually, and I was super jacked up. Here it is. So fucking good. I love that song. God, I love that song. Okay, movie opens up. We find out Lars is a socially awkward guy. You described his physical appearance. He's got a mustache. He's the age of 27, but he looks like he's 45. Picture, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but picture the creepy guy in the movie The Lovely Bones. Oh, With,
1: exactly who yeah. I was thinking Got I like, 20 years younger.
0: Yes, that's what Lars looks like in this movie, Ryan Gosling. He, he must have put on like 60 pounds and you can tell he's socially got issues. Like he he won't look people in the eye when they're talking Major to anxiety.
1: him.
0: Major anxiety.
1: Major anxiety. Major social anxiety.
0: Um, Physical touch, like he will not do physical touch. It makes him like physically uncomfortable when people touch him, even if it's just like a hug. So he's he's very he's got social anxiety through the roof, and then the main setup is that his sister in law and brother live in the main house. He lives in the garage. The what the sister in law, um, Karen, she's always trying a little too hard for my taste to get like Lars woven in. So the know.
1: first time that I saw this, I thought that Lars had a crush on Karen because he can't look in the eye and because he gets all weird, but she really is a try hard. But I think it's genuinely just her, her disposition and her want for like, to make sure he's okay because they probably have some guilt about him being out in the garage. This is a house that they actually technically split 50 50 Lars and his brother Gus, because it's You're a right. hand-me-down house. Yet they have him living in the garage, but Karen's obviously worried about him, but yeah, she does try a little hard. And by the end, you don't mind because you like her. But at the beginning, it's, you know, she's like literally throwing her body in front of a car.
0: <laughs> yeah, at the, at the beginning, you're just like, leave him the fuck alone. Just let him be. He doesn't want to fucking go over to your house and have dinner. Like, just leave him alone. <laughs> he doesn't want to fuck with it. Now, how how the plot unfolds is they follow this creepy dude who works with Lars, who... Is is looking at sex dolls online at work, which was amazing. Like I just kept thinking, "Damn, this guy, what a power move!" Like he's just sitting there in the cubicle at work, just browsing so key, sex dolls.
1: Maybe my favorite character on the on the movie.
0: Well, yeah, save your thoughts on that creepy coworker because he's gonna come back in a big way in our Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award <laughs> <laughs> nominee list. Um, so let's play a clip of this guy ordering some sex dolls. Lars, Lars, you gotta see this. I'm not really in the mood for porn this morning. It's not porn. Okay, it is, but check it out, all right? Huh? You like? Man, they're solid. Like if she'd weigh 125 pounds, then she weighs 125 pounds. Is that right? You can customize everything. They got all these different heads and parts. You can design your own woman. Lars, you can see the wheels turning. He don't want to buy these dolls to fuck him, though, like his creepy coworker. He wants to buy these dolls like for love. Companionship. Companionship. Yeah.
1: Okay, so when I see Lars, I see social anxiety, fear, insecurities, the whole the whole gambit. But yeah. I think that he gets Bianca, it's like he's Bianca's his training wheels. Yeah. And he's just working up the nuts to like have these types of conversations with real people and get them. It's like a stepping stone out into the real world to get out to parties, to be able to talk to people, to even just go comfortably to have dinner at Gus and Karen's house.
0: I agree a hundred percent. It's interesting because it's like, for instance, at the party, once you're to your point about training wheels, when someone's like, Hey, Lars, do you want to drink at a party? Like a beer? His initial reaction is fuck no, I don't even want to be here. I don't want to drink. I don't want to sit here and talk to you. I don't want to interact. I don't want to socially interact. I want to fucking leave. But like with when Bianca's there with him, this doll is there with him. It's like the buffer, the training will buffer that he can like go, hey, Bianca, same as me, doesn't want to drink. But I can see when I'm analyzing her, which I can't do when I'm analyzing myself just have a drink, just be social with these people. It's not the end of the world. And then he like grabs a drink for her to help her get through her shit. Mm -hmm. So it's like such a psychological fucking shit show going on in his head. But anyways, so he orders this sex doll with no intent to actually fuck it. He's just ordering it as like a massive psychological training wheel to get through fucking life and interact with other human beings. And it becomes his girlfriend. And
1: have an unawkward friend. Yes. That he can just control the whole narrative.
0: Yes. So, he gets the doll, goes over to Karen and Gus's house, his brother, and then we get to that scene where brother is like seeing it. You had two different reactions. The wife who's like trying to, okay, okay. And the guy who's just confused. He's just like, is this a joke? Lars? But
1: they're trying not to laugh <laughs> slash cry. Yeah. And meanwhile, Lars is going right into the conversation, imaginary conversation with Bianca.
0: So Lars has a a delusion that he is created in his own head that this sex doll is a, a real human being. And like once she got there and he got her out of the box in his own head, he convinced himself that this is his girlfriend from out of town who doesn't speak English
1: Who needs a wheelchair.
0: Who needs a wheelchair because obviously she can't walk. So she's got no legs. (laughs) She can't speak. She's got legs. (laughs) She's got no working limbs. She's got no working limbs. No hyperbole. She can't even move her arms. She's got no limbs and she can't talk.
1: And in that scene, she is in like fishnets pretty much head to toe, like a, like a fishnet dress, like sparkly foil kind of dress. So just full on hooker.
0: Yeah. Hold on. I want to play a clip of so kids can get a taste of Gus's just reaction when he's in the kitchen, talking to Karen alone about this. Here it is. What are we do? Oh my God, it's Karen. We're going to have to put my in the hospital, I think. And it's fun in the hospital. I can't afford that. Karen, I can't believe this. My little brother is totally, totally insane. Pull yourself together. How am I Gus, th- shh. Calm down. How are we gonna calm put ourselves down, together? okay? Now. He's talking to a doll. Shh, baby. shh. We're just going to get through this somehow, okay? I just don't know how we're going to do it. I don't either. Were you ta- were you talking? <laughs> I, cut you, I cut you off to play that clip. Sorry.
1: Oh, I was just saying the whole... So each of these sex dolls, and maybe you were going to get into this, but each of the sex dolls have a story. So when you get onto the website, which Gus does at one point, I think later that evening, you know, they'll be like, Oh, this is Miranda. She was, she was working at the rodeo, but now she needs a, mm. a rough rider to keep her home and pay her bills." <laughs> <laughs> so Bianca was like a missionary and she's Brazilian and raised by nuns you know so ryan gosling lars is acting like she is god's gift to earth and she's just such a good person someone stole her wheelchair at the airport you know he's just he's just painting this whole picture of this you know kind of victim
0: lost her luggage lost her luggage lost her luggage so goddamn dude airport was not kind to bianca they lost her fucking luggage (laughs) they lost her fucking wheelchair she can't get around she can't change out of her fishnets.
1: At least her mouth wasn't stuck like this. Yeah, just like a true sex
0: doll. Uh huh. That mouth was ready for some dick. <laughs> <sighs> mouth was ready for oh. some dick. Um, okay, now I did. What I will say though, in terms of how Gus and Karen handled this, is I like how they set up like talking to the doctor, where they go. Hey, Lars, um, hey, just thinking out loud here, but we should probably set up with like a doctor. Um, just, you know, Bianca's from out of town. She comes from like the Amazon, uh, who knows what, what sort of coronavirus esque diseases she's bringing back from just fucking living in the jungle in the Amazon, Lars, she can't even speak. Her arms
1: and legs don't
0: work. She has no limbs, no working limbs. And she doesn't speak like who knows what diseases she's contracted in the Amazon limbless so I like the setup though because they're like we just take her to a doctor figure Get out what's going out. on checkup just simple checkup in reality what they're doing is taking her to just a psychiatrist just using that time to be trapped with Lars to like figure out what's going on in his head
1: which I think that the doctor in this is maybe my MVP of the movie but
0: don't give um, it away yet you know what Clip, clip. I got a clip because you're you're singing the praise of the doctor. I, I love this doctor too. Let's get let's give her some love with a clip. We got to fix him. Can you fix him? I don't know, Gus. I don't believe he's psychotic or schizophrenic. I don't think this is caused by genes or faulty wiring in the brain. So then, what the hell is going on then? He appears to have a delusion. A delusion. What the hell is he doing with a delusion, for Christ's sake? That's what we have to find out. Chances are he's been decompensating for some time. Fantastic. When will it be over? When he doesn't need it anymore. How can we help? Go along with it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. No, that's... <laughs> oh, my. No, 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 no. Go along with it.
1: And Gus is concerned that the whole town is going to be really hard on Mars about it. And, you know, that's going to reflect weird on him, too. So he's got a little bit of getting over it to do.
0: I fall on the side of, like, you're going to get the entire fucking town to go along with this. Give me a fucking break. There's no chance. Like,
1: Yes, I had the same reaction.
0: Okay, because that is not a very woke point. I think the woke points would go to everyone in the town just galvanizes around this and just falls in line with this complete lie and just treats this doll like she's a human being for this guy, this insane guy.
1: I mean, that's best case scenario for him to not scar him. But I don't know if I would say he needs to be hospitalized, but like, there's something fucking off. He bought a super expensive sex doll to tote around town and he has secret conversations with her. Like something is not right.
0: And let's be honest in real life. He's fucking that doll.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Lars is it, but everybody else is in real life.
0: Yeah. So in the movie, it all works. I'm not denying that in the movie it works and I'm on board with it. A hundred percent. It works. But in real life, Lars is fucking that doll, and the entire town is not going along with treating this weird dude's sex doll as if she's a real human being. It would just never, ever, It would go never, like work. That. Right. never work.: Never work.
1: Especially in a small town.
0: If, if you never help that type of guy get out of his shit and out of his funk and out of his depression and social anxiety and like get him medicated to help him get through it and all that stuff, if you don't get him through that, that it's just going to be a hamster wheel you're on. It's just going to repeat itself over and over again. At the end of this movie, they make it seem like because the whole town galvanized around it, it just solved his issue. And now he yeah. no longer is crazy. And it's like, it wouldn't go like that.
1: In real life, I don't think a psychiatrist or psychologist or doctor would just say, act like this is a one-off, like you're saying. She was just like, oh, like, let's let, let this ride out and just go on with it. But I don't think in real life no. it doesn't work like that. They're that's not like, oh, this point. will solve itself. No, they'd be like, no, this could be like an ongoing issue. for." So that part wasn't overly realistic. It worked perfectly for the movie.
0: Yeah, no, that's a perfect point with these types of things, it's never a one-off issue. It's never one-off. It's connected to how they've lived their entire lives and how they will continue to live their life in the future. It's never a one-off like, oh, you know what? Lars? Lars is actually a totally normal, cool dude. Um, There's a couple years. <laughs> yeah. he He had one little stint of his life where <laughs> For six months, he treated a sex doll off the internet as if it was a real life human being, convinced himself of this delusion. But again, just a little blip on the radar, just tiny. And he bounced back. He bounced back. Now he's totally cool. Married, four kids, uh, <laughs> living in suburb, suburban America. You know, fuck it. He's just crushing life. He's got a sweet. And, and like,
1: meanwhile, the psychiatrist is like, yeah, I knew it. I knew this was just a war. <laughs> So, I was telling you guys, just go along with
0: it. It's fine. He'll work him. He'll work his way through it. I know mm-hmm. Lars. So, anyways, uh, back that's what to the Gus plot. Was
1: saying, Gus was like, "What the fuck? I don't think so, Doc."
0: Yeah, I think Gus so. was just like totally onto something. <laughs> the doctor sucks.
1: He seemed he seemed close-minded in the movie, but I actually think he was pretty yeah, pretty spot on.
0: I know they. That's the thing, though. That I another thing in this movie that I noticed as a as a dude as a male was gender stereotypes i mean oh, yeah. did you notice all the men in this movie all the men were like naysayers fuck you this is a joke this is never gonna work this guy's crazy he's just fucking a doll and all the females were mm-hmm. just a hundred percent on board with going along with this
1: from the get-go
0: from the get-go the no older, questions even asked. the
1: older people at church
0: yeah oh yeah this no this movie was not ageist it was sexist against men <laughs> so okay uh what else i have down here oh so when the doctor's like working on him she's starting to probe into all of his issues and finds out that he's got like massive issues with with touch and he's like it physically hurts like it- and
1: that's why he wears so many layers right clothing which also makes him look a little heavier and crumpier, by the way
0: i gotta say this his actual issues in this movie i empathized with or sympathized, whatever you want to call it but i like felt for him because i think we've all had these moments where like we don't want to be social we don't want to be touched we don't want to fucking be talked to or whatever so i i feel like that's one of the reasons why this movie works is because felt like all of us could kind of relate to it at different times.
1: 100%. I, I, One of the reasons why I think I like this movie is because I have, even though I'm super extrovert and really chatty and whatever, I have major social anxiety. So I was like, all right, lawyers, I feel you on this. I do like hugs and touch.
0: You have met? I didn't know you had social anxiety. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. But... Like
0: in in all social settings or just specific ones like bigger group gatherings?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Both.
0: So like, is there a difference if you walked into a room of like three or four of your close friends, do you still feel it there? Or is it exclusive to like a big party of 25, 50 people?
1: I would say bigger groups and then also... Say I'm meeting up with someone I don't know well for coffee, like a newer friend. I'm probably a little iffy about it on the way there. Like I probably have a little bit of jitters. Yeah. So I any, mean, I like that about this movie that I was like, okay, I can see myself just like posting up in that garage. Yeah. <laughs> Not wanting to come. And then the deeper with social anxiety, the deeper hole you dig, it just gets worse. Like it's just built up. It just keeps building up. So yeah. You know, if she's asking him if Karen and Gus are asking him to dinner or breakfast or whatever, the more times they ask and he doesn't go, it makes that time he does go that much of a bigger deal.
0: Yes. There's two. So I was trying to figure out where to where to go next. If I should go to the party next. Do you need it? Do you want to take a break?
1: No, I'm good. I was just putting the dogs out.
0: Should we go to the party next? Or, or just dive into that thing you just brought up about him going over to be- breakfast. Let's just go to the party as your dog's there.
1: I can't, I can't keep him out. We have too many.
0: <laughs> That's fine. I feel like people pod better with their dog on their lap anyways. <laughs> Let's go to the party. I, this party was a wild dynamic to me. We already touched on it a little bit with like the whole thing about Bianca asking her for a beer and all that stuff. Like, Treating her as a buffer training wheels, like in these big social situations is one of the biggest reasons why I think he's having this delusion. I got to say though, back to your point though about social anxiety in these bigger situations, the party he was at, I was like, uh, I wouldn't be dying to be at that party either. Like all work people, all work people who you're just kind of casual acquaintances with. And
1: And specifically, he would be extra casual with them. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not real close with anybody.
0: And we should just mention that there's this girl, Margot who he works with, who kind of has a crush on him. And she's at this party. And uh, I think Lars is trying to, like, process his real-life feelings for, like, this girl while simultaneously, like, having a girlfriend, a fake girlfriend. There was also that weird dynamic happening at the party with Margo.
1: Um, so the thing about Margot is at the beginning, she's interested in him first, which I thought yeah. was kind of fun. So yeah. she's like trying to be noticed by him. First stop in the morning when she gets to work, she is stopping in his little joint cubicle and letting her presence be known, like saying good morning to him. So she's like trying to flirt in her own awkward way from the get go. Now at the party, she knows that Lars is bringing his girlfriend. So she decides that she's gonna bring a guy from work, a boyfriend, Eric with a K. And I can make fun of that because my brother's name is Eric with a K. So she brings her new kind of beau. But the cool thing about Margot is that she is supportive of Bianca from the get go, even though she likes Lars as more than a friend, she sends out a memo to everybody at the party to let them know like, hey, he's gonna be bringing this. Faux faux girlfriend. Oh, I didn't even
0: catch that. I didn't even catch that. I actually think that's a cool move by her, though. Sending out that memo.
1: That's why um, I liked her character so much. Just because she could have been selfish and been like, because she liked him, looked at it, looked at him less. Or, I mean, if I liked someone and I found out they had this sex doll they were driving around having conversations with, I'd be like, turns out I don't like him.
0: Mm. Turn, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but Margo like kind of finds it endearing and instead wants to be protective of Lars.
0: I think in general, what Margot represents in this movie, and what in general this movie represents is like the peak endearing action or reaction to someone doing fucked up shit is how everyone in this movie reacts. From a realistic sense how the entire town galvanizes around this and, and buys in is complete bullshit and it would never happen in real life like that. But I understand like, like the utopia version of of people at their best and Margot is kind of like in that same realm.
1: Yeah. This is, yeah, everything is best case scenario. And she is like, if you had the best possible reaction and the nicest person and how would they handle it? Yes. Now, how would you and I handle it? Not the same no. I like to think that I would be open-minded, but. Mm.
0: God, I'm so not open-minded. So yeah, I would struggle. <laughs> I would struggle. But while we're on Margot, while we're on her, the people at this party, namely that creepy dude who Lars works with, this is a perfect time to get into our Ryan Philippi Practice Hero Award nominees. It's easy to sum it up. We just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game,
1: not a game. We talking about practice.
0: We talking about practice, man. Practice. I mean, how silly is that? Ryan Phillippe, Practice Your Award. This award goes to the guy or girl who is just doing way too much the entire fucking movie like they are the practice hero like in practice you're just trying to get through practice you don't give a fuck about it you're just trying to get to the actual games which are the fun part but there's always that guy in practice who's going like 150 percent and like you're just like dude just it's do less. fucking practice idiot like do way less why are you doing this to impress the coaches so That's what I want you to drink in these nominees from this movie and tell me who is that guy the most. So the first guy is the creepy dude who fucks sex dolls. Who's uh, Lars's work friend. Second guy is this guy was tiny, but you already mentioned him. Eric with a K (laughs) the guy who comes in and just the way he was flirting with Margo at the workplace And at that party, I think at one point he slapped her ass. He did. It was amazing. (laughs) It was so amazing. This guy is wild, out of control. I'm also pretty sure he never had his shirt untucked. I believe his shirt was tucked in at all points of this movie. Yes. That guy is number two.
1: I also would go ahead and say he probably has cankles.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd put like a 98% certainty (laughs) on cankles (laughs) under those pants. Those are two. And then the third one, honestly, your call, your call. I put two more, thir- three and four. I put two more on here that I don't feel good about putting them on here. So if you just want to give it to one of the first two, I'm totally comfortable with that. I did just put Margot on there. Because I knew you were going to say that. She is a lot. She, she
1: is annoying.
0: Uh, she's a lot. I appreciate her. I know what she's here for. She's kind of like the beacon of hope for society. Like she's the symbol of all hope. And I'm here for it. But goddamn, is she extra as fuck? And then the other one I put on here, because he does give a lot in a lot of scenes, is Mark Brandanowitz, a.k.a. Gus. Mark Brandanowitz is his name in Parks and Rec, by the way. I'm not putting his wife on there because. Yes, she's extra, but I like, by the end of the movie, I liked her too much. I don't want to put her on here. So, those are your four nominees. Gus is out. Okay, Gus is out. So, now it's down to the creepy guy who fucks sex dolls, the lame guy, Eric with a K, who has cankles and tucks a shirt in, and Margot, who's the Ryan Phillippe Practice Year Award winner.
1: I think Margot.
0: Damn. Not the guy who fucks the, the dolls.
1: Okay, let me tell you why I don't want to pick Kurt. If that's I, I spent the whole time trying to figure out what his name was, by the way, the whole movie.
0: I think it's Kurt.
1: I, I didn't bother looking it up, but, but I wasn't aware of what it was the entire time. Okay, so Kurt, I don't think he does fuck sex dolls because he can't afford it. Mm. He says that. He says they're too pricey. Now, if he had one, he would. Okay. But I just want to clarify that but he does watch
0: porn at work. Right. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to pull Kurt off, process of elimination, because good analytics by you. You're saying he's actually not fucking those dolls because he doesn't have the cash. Cash flow isn't there. So he's poor, points off, but not a Ryan Phillippe practice hero award winner. So now we're down to the lame Eric with a K with cankles, or... Margo, you are going to go Margo over him.
1: There are moments where you just want Margo to sit down and shut up. So many. <laughs> There's a lot. And while I appreciate what she brings to the table, as far as acceptance and whatever, it's just like when I was watching her in the bowling scene, it just, no, no, I, I, I vote Margo 100%.
0: Thirty seconds on that bowling scene. I'm be honest. I love this movie. It's near and dear to my heart. That bowling scene that lasted about five minutes too long was the biggest blip in this movie. Like it it was an atrocity. It was one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in my life in a movie.
1: I felt like they could have accomplished this you know, they see her you see them having fun. You see Lars and, and Margo having fun, and he agreed to go on this little date with her when Bianca was busy.
0: Yeah, it was just was weird.
1: It. It, yeah, I'm with you.
0: For me, I go, okay, what you're trying to show in this bowling scene is that he does not need a doll. He can make it socially interacting with real human beings. He can do it. He can have fun. There's ways to do it. So I get what they were trying to do with the bowling scene, I'm here for it. I just, yes, I think there were other ways to showcase that the way that they did it. I just was nonstop throwing up in my mouth the whole time. Like everyone was throwing gutter balls, but like they had to all be excited the whole time because it was like, Hey, the intent, the directors told us the intent of this scene is to show that everyone's having fun. Lars is having fun with real human beings. He doesn't need a doll to have fun.
1: Yeah. It felt really forced.
0: No one's pissed. They're throwing gutter balls though. Like none of the dudes. Not
1: not even gutter balls. Lars didn't even get it in the right
0: lane. Lars threw it in the wrong lane. And everyone was clapping. Like, I know. Okay. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. Shit. Here's the thing. We've already been talking for over an hour and I still have four pages of notes. That's what I was saying. I never worry. I never worry about hitting like an hour and a half of record because I just have fucking so many thoughts on these garbage movies.
1: You know, I was concerned about how much content there would be, but then when I watched it the second time,
0: (laughs) I was like, nah, this
1: is, this is good.
0: Okay. You know what? Let me just say this. I want to go to a specific scene, which let's get off the garbage scenes like the bowling scene. Let's go to a real good scene. I wrote in my notes, the most poignant scene of the entire movie happens. And this goes back to your earlier point about the relationship between Karen and Ryan Gosling, Lars. I actually think that relationship is the most dynamic relationship in this entire movie. I think it's way more compelling than her relationship with her husband, Mark Brandanowitz. And yes. what's happening is Lars is kind of like starting to get into arguments, like fake arguments with Bianca because like shit's starting to go downhill. Shit's starting to go awry. And then there's this scene where he's chopping wood, where he gets into a fight with real-life Karen. God!
1: Every person in this town bends over backwards to make Bianca feel at
0: home. Why, Why do you think she has so many places to go and so much to do, huh? Huh? Because of you! Because all these people... Love you. None of this is easy for any of us, but we do it. We, oh, we do it for you. So don't you dare tell me how we don't care. So you're sitting here like acting like a little bitch and like acting like a baby <sighs> and pouting and everything, and and not realizing that this entire fucking town has dropped everything for you. Like, show some appreciation, you fucking douche.
1: Well, so in that scene, at the beginning of it, just for those of us who haven't seen it, what's happening as he's chopping this woody so irritated is that Bianca is off at, like, a charity event or some hospital event, right? Yeah. And Ryan Gosling, Lars, is getting annoyed because Bianca is so... um busy.
0: She's got a jam-packed social calendar.
1: Yeah, she's volunteering places. She's got a job. She's getting haircut. She's being whored out. I don't know what she's doing. She's mm-hmm. she's got a lot going on. And mm-hmm. he's irritated that he has to check a calendar to hang out with his folk girlfriend. And he makes a comment that people don't care. That that they all don't care. And so that's when Karen really loses it and he finally is seeing through her eyes, actually what all they're doing to keep this whole thing alive. They're bathing this sex doll. Yeah which by the way is also one of my favorite scenes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I don't also side note, why are they bathing her if she is not getting used for sex?
0: <sighs> I think the whole intent is
1: they, to make her feel real.
0: They're make they're just treating her like she's a A paraplegic person who is dating their family member and like these are the lengths that you would go to to contribute to the livelihood of your loved ones and your family if your brother-in-law or brother was dating someone who was like physically like challenged you would like step up and pitch in. And I think like, that's what they're trying to showcase. And in this scene, Lars is like, you don't care. You don't give a shit about me. Like you said. And they're like, no guy, fuck you. We yeah, do and care. And there's
1: 20 reasons. Yeah. 20 ways that we're showing you. Yeah.
0: So and, I then just storm- love, and she
1: storms off.
0: I love that scene because I thought that was like one of the realest scenes in the movie of like, that's exact. Thank you, Karen, because That's exactly what any human reaction would have been there if that guy was like not appreciative and stuff. You'd be like, hey man, fuck you, dude. We have changed our entire lives for this fake fucking bitch. Like the sex doll, so fuck you.
1: Well, and Karen kind of needed to find her voice for a second because she's been kind of, you know, just so sweet and soft-spoken and goes along with whatever the whole time. And that really triggered her, which I, I liked.
0: Yeah, I love that scene. And then the other while we're on poignant scenes that I love, my second favorite was between Gus and Lars when they never really had a relationship and then Lars starts dating this fake girl, the whole town like galvanizes around it, including Lars's brother. And now it's like brought him and his brother together. And they have this scene where Lars is like asking him what it is to be a man, or like, how do you know what's a man? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gus says this Okay, you know I, I I can only give you my opinion That's all I want well, It's not like you're all one thing or the other, okay There's still a kid inside But you, you, you grow up when you decide to do right Okay, and not what's right for you What's right for everybody Even when it hurts Okay, like what <sighs> You know, like You don't jerk people around you know, and, 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 and you don't cheat on your woman and you take care of your family. You know, you admit when you're wrong or you try to anyways. That's all I can think of, you know. It, it sounds like it's easy and for some reason it's not. I know because nothing's easy. So true. Fucking Also, damn. yeah. But
1: that was actually one of my favorite scenes too because then when they go down the basement is when Gus finally... Apologizes for leaving Lars alone with their dad after the mom oh, dies. Yeah.
0: yeah, that was great. Yeah, and
1: it you know wow. there was a build up this whole movie about Gus's guilt. You could feel it, but then to actually hear him say he was sorry and he shouldn't have left Lars alone with someone so lonely and and oh,
0: fuck, it. I know. Yeah, that was so. And powerful. Lars's
1: response just is like, it's okay, you know, just so forgiving, and it was so yeah
0: because it was clear in that scene it was like you know what one of the first times in this movie this scene is not about Lars this is about Gus that scene was all about Gus clearly has had this guilt like you said just his whole life it's been weighing on him and you even could see it multiple times in this movie they would Gus would just say like things to his wife this is my fault i know this is my fault our fucked up dad. I left Lars alone with our fucked up dad after our mom died. When we were younger, it's my fault. He was depressed. Like it's me, it's me, it's me. And the whole time as a viewer, you just kind of like slough it off. You're like, whatever this guy. And then in that scene that you're talking about in the basement, after he talks about what it's like to be a man, he's like, dude, I'm sorry. Like this has been weighing on me my whole fucking life. I know you probably don't care, but like, I need to say this. And then, yeah, Lars is just like, i I didn't even notice that, bud, so yeah, thank- good for you that you got that off your chest, but
1: thanks, thanks I guess
0: well, it's just kind of like Lars was fucked up, but he doesn't know in his mind why he's fucked up, he doesn't right. know like it can really better he doesn't yeah, he doesn't know it's because when he was younger, his brother left him to hang out with his dad all the time, and he started to view the world like depressed and all that shit, like he doesn't Isolated. know that
1: right so it was that was a big moment and and also i liked when gus talks about you know here we have this house that it's 50% his 50% ours and he's living out in the garage like a dog
0: and we yeah. just let
1: him live out there so he, the guilt is like totally manifesting and just too yeah. much for him so that scene was pretty big and emotional for some of us
0: it was so emotional i th- so those two those two clips Lars with Karen and then Lars with Gus, both of them are like scenes where when I I haven't seen this movie in probably 13 years, like when I'm watching this back, I'm looking forward to those two scenes of like, oh, I know, here comes like the big emotional Karen with the chopping wood or Gus in the basement. Like they always stick out in my head. Outside of that, though, outside of the deep, things start going downhill lars starts creating like fake arguments with bianca i think in his head he's starting to realize like i don't need this all the time i can participate in society in real life without these training wheels on anymore
1: well there's a direct relation this is one of the few notes compared to your four pages that i took um was when he starts noticing Margot in a different light, like there's a scene at work where he's kind of staring at her from afar, not totally creepy, but he's enjoying his Cracker Jacks and like checking her out. He starts seeing her in a different light. And as soon as that hits is when he starts transitioning into the different phase with Bianca, where he is picking fights with her, where she starts feeling not well, you know, and just the decline of their relationship.
0: Yep. All that said, he then gets to this point where he's like, I think now subconsciously, I know I can do it. And he just decides, like, I'm gonna fucking kill her off. I'm gonna kill Bianca off. That's how I get out of this.
1: It's actually completely brilliant. Yeah. And also dark.
0: It's so dark. <laughs> because
1: you see it playing out so slowly. And it's just like, at what point did he know that he was gonna get rid of her for good?
0: <laughs> think he's gonna kill her. And it's funny because you can tell everyone now has bought in everyone in the town and in the family has bought into this Bianca being like a real member. Now they all have delusions that she's totally real. And so when Lars starts saying like, ah, she's not feeling well, she's not right. Something's not right. She's sick. I think it's death. I think it's the death sickness that's kicking in. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. Are you sure? Are, are you sure she's not good? She looks good. She looks good. It's looks the same. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. We're sure that she's got the death disease because it feels like nothing has changed. And um, yeah, so, oh, you know what? There was a clip of the doctor explaining like how Lars, how his head is processing all this with the death that he's putting on Bianca. So let's play a quick clip there. How could you let this happen? Oh. I'm not letting it happen as Lars. It's always been Lars. He's making the decisions. He's the one who found her unconscious. He's the one who said she's dying. So that doctor's explanation came at the hospital after they fucking called 911. The EMTs came all the way out to their house to transport this fake doll. So even though it's coming late in this podcast, I usually like to give our sponsors some fucking love earlier i'm gonna do it late on this one because i was struggling with who i give the mcitw the maris cooper is the worst of the week award too and i was like well i can't give it to any any specific character because i love them all and then the end of this movie happened where the fucking emts and like the police department and everyone just drop everything. Drop worrying about crime. They drop like people, like real life human beings with like real sickness. They drop it all and they just- To
1: play house. To yeah. play
0: house with this one psychotic guy in this society. And so for that reason, EMTs in whatever Northern town this is, <laughs> in the ambulances, the EMTs, the 911 people, all emergency personnel in the movie, Lars and the real girl, you fucking get it. The MCITW. That is Zimmers Cooper is the worst of the week and it is brought to you by Wicklow Wear. W-I-C-K-L-O-W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VLA. Check out 10% off your order. Kids, $30 in the baseball. tees, $20. tanks, $40 in the hood sweatshirts. Get at us for all of our fucking swag. Slide into our DMs with either dick pics or request for our swag. We'll give it to you. It goes to the EMTs. It goes to the fucking emergency personnel. Fuck all of them in this movie. They get the NCW. I'm sweating. Oh, I
1: am too.
0: Any thoughts? Here's,
1: here's okay. I have a few thoughts. One, who's paying for that ambulance bill? They're just gonna knock does that out Does not real. Does
0: insurance cover the fucking doll ambulance
1: an, ride? Is she a dependent? Is Bianca dependent? So I have a few questions there. But I thought it was amazing that they were able to call ahead because who knows how small this town is? Like, do all the doctors and the EMTs, like, how do they give them a heads up? Yeah. Because these aren't people that they go to church with.
0: No. Anyways, with that, fucking we'll say, emergency personnel, be free and explore. Brought to you by Wickloware. Get fucked. We hate you. (sighs) You're dragging that entire town down. Should we get to the ending? Let's now go to the ending. Lars kills her. He kills her. She's dead.
1: (laughs) Large funeral service.
0: It was... For Bianca. Explain how you felt when she died, because I felt sad. Very sad.
1: Okay, so the whole show is such an emotional rollercoaster, because at first you're like, WTF, this is too much to process at first it was funny then you become like the rest of the town kind of into it because you see how much it's helping him mm-hmm. then you're kind of like all right training wheels can come off you can just hang out with margo now like you've done it you've gone yeah. to the parties you've been able to expand your social horizon your anxiety is down a bit you've got more confidence yada yada when he is trying to resuscitate her oh yeah it's, it's uh brutal and seeing Karen and Gus's reaction, you know, everyone is so, they're so worried about Lars's mental well-being if she dies. But obviously, he can handle it. He's creating it. But that that was a blow.
0: Did you cry?
1: The first time, yes. Mm-hmm. Last night, I knew it was coming. So it definitely felt emotional that I wasn't crying full on.
0: Right. You're holding back felt- tears.
1: I choked him back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But but it's definitely, it's hard to watch him try to resuscitate this doll that you know is not going to wake up.
0: Yeah, that and then when he kissed her, like when he knew she was dying and he kissed her like goodbye, like just Yeah,
1: A, the only I, kiss that you ever see.
0: The only kiss happens at the very end of this movie. So as much as we're fucking joking about him fucking this doll and stuff. He really wasn't. He genuinely had a real connection with her. And he never they never show him kiss or do anything inappropriate with this doll. They the didn't whole even sleep time. in the
1: same bed until the very end. They slept in separate homes.
0: Correct. Completely. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, didn't even sleep in the same bed. And then there's this one kiss at the very end of the movie where it's like him saying goodbye to her. And it was... It was like, damn, God, mm, fucking gossip. <laughs> pulled me right in, fucking pulled me right into the who, emotion. Who knew we
1: could be so upset about a sex the one dying?
0: So, I feel like it ended on a happy note because it was almost like you wrap your head around he decided he decided to kill her off because he knew subconsciously that he was ready. So him killing her off wasn't actually like someone dying. It was more like he was being born. God, how deep was that?
1: That was big.
0: I didn't even write that one down. That was on the spot.
1: He went to the next level. You know, he graduated. But all the things I was thinking about this last night when I was watching, all the things that Bianca enables him to do that he could not do before. Okay, he couldn't even, you know, go to a meal with his brother and sister-in-law. And if he did go, if you remember in that first scene, he goes to a dinner where she, she finally kind of cons him into going. Karen does. He doesn't eat any of the food. Yeah. He's like so anxious and uncomfortable. He's like moving his food around and that's it. And he's just trying to leave. He doesn't talk. Okay. With Bianca, he's eating not only his food, but he's cutting up and eating her food too. Right. He's able to eat. He has an appetite. He can chat. He's, He's hanging out with Gus in that scene where he asks, like, "How do you know that you're a man?"
0: Mm -hmm. He's just chilling
1: in the kitchen with Gus while Gus is like cutting vegetables for dinner, which he never did before. before.
0: Yeah, yeah, never. There was never
1: just a hangout. He's coming before work to have breakfast. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting is when he's having breakfast with Bianca. One of those first mornings, he runs late for work because he's enjoying breakfast
0: Mm -hmm. like Gus
1: and Karen's. That's not he wouldn't have run late to work before, you know, he's like very schedule oriented. He's very tidy, like OCD. Yeah. So running late to something would not have been an option before, but he was like, just caught up in the moment and having a good morning. Right. There's just a ton of stuff that, that Bianca enabled him to do that, that helped him get over that social anxiety fear. And then he graduated and then he didn't need her anymore.
0: That's why I wasn't that, I, a, a I wasn't MVP. that sad. I wasn't that sad at the end when she died, because I was like, he did it all. He she she did what she was there to do. She was there to help him get over all those things you just listed and he did. And now he can go like spread his wings and fly in society. Again, totally unrealistic. This would never this would not play out like this in real life, but um for the movie, for the movie I was 100% all in. I bought in fully and I loved it. So yeah, it all ends uh, it's kind of open-ended you're not sure does he get with Margot at the end does he not i'd like to tell myself yes he did get with Margot.
1: she was very available
0: oh she was available yeah <laughs> most desperate chick i've ever seen
1: debbie desperado
0: so let's wrap it with mvps of this movie where do you net <laughs> out you said you had the doctor in consideration you pull her out of consideration Who is your MVP? Oh, and while you're queuing that up, I just want to say this MVP award, it is brought to you by our second fine sponsors on this podcast. Unofficial sponsors. They're not official like uh, Wicklow Wear. They're unofficial. And it's not a brand. It's not a company. It's the entire industry of Japanese denim. Japanese denim. It's the finest denim. It's indestructible. That'll ever be on your knees, on your kneecaps, on your calves, on your ankles, or your cankles, on your thighs, on your dick, on your waist, anywhere on the bottom half of your body, Japanese denim. And as we say on this podcast, Japanese denim, Japanese made, podcaster approved. Okay, go ahead with your MVP.
1: Japanese denim.
0: See how official this podcast is?
1: Oh, that was good. That was really good. I needed that. Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm struggling with my MVP because...
0: Well, let's lay it out. Lay it out.
1: Originally, I was thinking Margot.
0: Oh, God. Fuck no. I'll tell you right now, it's not happening.
1: I said originally.
0: Yeah, we're not choosing her.
1: (laughs) Because she... (laughs) But then she can't be the MVP and...
0: And the Ryan Phillippe practice your award winner. I, yeah. Who, well, we've never had it. We've never had that happen. It's your choice. I, uh, it's your choice. I am a
1: trend, I'm a trendsetter. But I'm going to say for me, it's Karen.
0: I like that better. I like Karen a lot. A lot. And, and
1: for me, I, I can't pick Bianca because... um Yeah. 'Cause she's not real. I mean, she obviously brought a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. Not not moving arms or legs, but she brought other things to the table. But as far as living people, if I'm not gonna go with the doctor, I'm going with Karen because I think she means so much to Lars. The fact that he's so concerned about her pregnancy and her dying in childbirth, like his mother, and like, you know, he's yeah. so overwhelmed with anxiety and fear for that, yep. just shows how much he means she means to him yep and she's very selfless like she is you know very pregnant yet she's bathing this sex doll Right. and she is sweet about it from the get-go she was his support system from the get-go she was trying to get him out of a rut you know from the get-go she is his number one fan so for me mvp i
0: i will not begrudge that pick i like karen so much in this movie I think if you asked me in a vacuum who my favorite is in this movie, I would say Karen. And it's weird to say that too because I just want to put it out there. I don't even think we've said this. Props to Ryan Gosling because he crushed this movie. So while he may not be winning MVPs on this podcast, shout out to him because I think for me why this is one of my favorite Gosling movies is this has to be a little preview of this guy, unlike him being a future A-lister in 2007 when this movie came out, because I just think it takes such a special acting quality to be able to just be on a fucking island for two hours by yourself, like Tom Hanks in fucking Castaway, except the only person he has to interact in this movie with is with a doll who doesn't speak and he still like makes it to where you buy in 100% as a viewer, I just want to give props to Gosling as well. All that said, love the Karen pick. She's my MVP too.
1: Gosling in this also is that it's such a 180 from The Notebook, which is really maybe all that people had seen of him at that point. So yeah. to go from Noah in The Notebook to Lars... And he does both. So just so convincingly, it's like major tribute to his skills.
0: Versatility. So versatile. Mm, so hot. Yeah. So hot. Versatile. Hot. Yeah. So let's say I am glad that we made this podcast go like, I just want to say challenge. Uh, the Challenge. Put the challenge out there because... You had reservations going into this podcast. Like, could we fucking do it? Could we even talk for like 30 minutes on this fucking movie where Ryan Gosling is talking to a sex doll for two hours? And we did it.
1: If anyone could do it, I knew it was us.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of confidence. Okay, but tonight on this podcast, it's bedtime. It's bedtime for those kid listeners, KCB. So what we have to tell those kid listeners is we want them to sleep tight. We want them to tuck in. We want them to have a really good night sleep. And we will say
1: clear eyes, full hearts,
0: do less kids, do way less. We
1: love Tim Riggs.
0: And we love Tim Riggs. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Stephen and Elsie, both there. Just not pictured.